I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group. We are Jobs Podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. Today we got Ben Teague with us. Ben is the Vice President of Strategic Development for Biltmore Farms up in Asheville, North Carolina. So Ben, right out of the gate, we're going to have a lot of listeners jealous. Everybody loves Asheville and everybody's heard of the Biltmore. So welcome to our show. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I got to know Ben years ago when he worked for the Area Development Partnership down in Hattiesburg, close to where I grew up. So it's been real fun watching you uh, as you make your way to Asheville, Ben. So tell us what exactly you do there for Biltmore Farms. It's been a long time since Hattiesburg and it feels like three lifetimes ago since you and I were young pups there in South Mississippi. But since moving to Asheville, I worked as the COO of the Chamber and Executive Director of Economic Development. And then you know, looking at different opportunities, made the jump over here to be the vice president of strategic development. So um, built more farms. Everybody's heard of the estate. So same family, a uh, couple different companies there, though. So built more farms does some of the development and real estate holdings for the family. And we have uh, hotels, we have land holdings, we have office, multifamily and retail looking at industrial distribution stuff. And so it's great because you get to look all across the economy and kind of get to see how you can be helpful to the people of this area, get your hands on the pulse of what's happening. Everybody loves Asheville. How has it done in the pandemic? I haven't asked anybody how it's, I'm sure like a lot, it might've went down at first, but is it coming back or? It obviously went down a lot of the economy turns on some of the tourism. A lot of people don't really realize how much manufacturing is up here, which is good, but a big portion of the economy is tourism and driven by tourism in some way. And things are down and I'm sure they're down across the nation of what that looks like. But we're seeing some, I'll call it green shoots of activity back. You see weddings and you see sports teams and that sort of stuff. And the associations for the most part are looking at coming back in 2022 maybe, but I'm looking at a fall of 21 thinking 
it will start to pick back up in a significant way then for sure. So are most of the investments that Biltmore Farms makes in that area, or do y'all do deals region-wide or nationwide or just right there close to Asheville? You know, we do have assets across Western North Carolina. My babies that I get to take care of is a thousand acre development that we have just starting. So we kicked that off with a great investment, a great announcement that myself, along with a lot of other people helped make happen from Pratt and Whitney, and they just invested $650 million to uh, put a new plant there for jet engine parts. And that's a great catalyst, but we mainly keep our investments close, but I think we would look at other things outside of the region if it were compelling. Yeah. So talk about some of the manufacturing there. Cause you just mentioned Pratt and Whitney. So obviously there's no better logo to put on your website than that, but talk about some of the other companies that are there. GE Aviation is here, a company called Lenamar that's in the automotive world. But I look at it, not just in Asheville, and I think people across the nation probably shouldn't see their talent and their workforce print just within their boundaries. But, you know, just south of us here, 30, 45 minutes south of us, BMW and Michelin. And so you got some Borg Warner, some really great names that I think people within their industries would recognize very quickly. So thousands and thousands of manufacturing jobs that people just don't even realize because the estate and the mountains in general, people just come and visit here. But underlying all that is a lot of manufacturing. Yeah, well, I know last year you got your uh, real estate management program certification from the Harvard Business School. So that's a good, uh, that's a good logo to put on your resume. So, uh, oh, Mississippi boy going to Harvard. So tell us what oh, you learned in that. Oh, my goodness. That was a good time. And people from all over the world and from, you know, Saudi Arabia, you know, wherever they were coming there. And it was you know, really a great learning experience and it was kind of the case study method. And you learned a lot of sophisticated things, but you also connected with some people that are moving projects all around the nation. And it's fun to be able to pick up the phone and say, hey, we, we're analyzing this hotel deal or we're analyzing this multifamily deal. What do you think? And it's really been kind of a great connection point, but definitely really, really smart guys there that I just, got to sit back and learn from. Yeah, well, I know you spent 10 years working for the Asheville Area Chamber before you crossed over to Biltmore Farms as a COO. So what's really been the different challenges? Probably a lot of economic developers have had the thought, maybe I'd like to go work on the private side. So since you've done it, what have you learned that you kind of wish you'd known back then? And how's that been? It's a lot of things. One, when you do a deal, when you announce a deal, you're only about 30, 40% of the way done, you know, at that point, economic developers, you know, they're moving on to their next thing and they put them in the existing industry category from that point. But when you announce the deal on the private side and it's on your property, there's a long way to go to get that thing built and make sure that it's successful and a lot of risk that on the private side you take on. So for the Pratt and Whitney deal, we incentivized the project privately and ended up incentivizing the land for them. So it's a personal stake for us that we need them to be successful in the long run. So that's different. That's interesting. Not only do you respond to the deal, but you have an actual hand in catalyzing and making the incentives happen beyond that. But I would tell you some lessons learned that I learned in economic development along the way over the past, you know, 
20 years. Oh, God, that sounds like a long time. But Yeah, we're getting old now. <laughs> we're getting old. But, you know, I think what you learn is be authentic people, you know, have real relationships. I worked over at the chamber for 10 years over there. You know, little did I know that I was, you know, a 10-year interview over for Biltmore Farms. They were watching the whole time. And if you have those real relationships, I think that's real important versus these opportunistic relationships. It allows people to, you know, especially if you're dealing with a client, overlook some small things versus if you have opportunistic relationships, it exaggerates it in a significant way. So be authentic people relationships and then be authentic place. Don't claim your silicon farm when you got a three-hour flight to the nearest ATM. (laughs) (laughs) You just really need to know who you are. And that comes across so well to your clients. So I would say being authentic is a great lesson learned. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what's sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other builders and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to Lois location1.com book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success and so what's pratt and whitney are they going to be making engines there for what type planes or what are they going to be making yeah they're going to be making uh parts for jet engines it'll end up being about a 1.2 million square foot facility and a beautiful facility that they put and we have it on on our property with these great long range mountain views, but they're attracted to not only being able to do business, but kind of a vision to be able to attract talent. Looking at the green space around, you know, if there's a greenway and there's a river around them where they can interact with the river, you know, maybe ball course, you know, they're buying into a bigger master plan kind of tapestry that they're attracted to because you and I both know talent is the real incentive across the nation. Yeah, and what a great location you have for that. Well, I know you've been gone from Hattiesburg for a while, but do you ever get back? My brother lives out in Oak Grove, which to our listeners all around might not know where that is, but that's out west of Hattiesburg. And it's amazing how much Hattiesburg has grown. And a lot of that foundation was set back when y'all were there. I mean, I, especially after Katrina, it seemed like some people might've moved up there, but the whole town has grown. So do you ever get back down there? You know, I do every once in a while. I'm real proud of what they've done down there. It's a great town, great community, and I'm a big fan of what they're continuing to do down there. And I go back and visit every once in a while and see friends. And I guess that's part of being authentic relationships. I still keep up and I still keep up with folks all across the nation that can kind of pour into 
some of my decision making and I'm happy to help them in there. So they're doing great in Hattiesburg, Oak Grove especially. Oh yeah. And they're pretty good at football too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've done a tremendous job out there. So I think when I met you, you were working for Innovate Mississippi, which was a, a technology type deal, maybe around alternative energy. And so was that your first economic development job? How did you get into the whole profession? I was getting out of graduate school there at Ole Miss and I took finance and I knew what economics was and I knew what business development was, but economic development was a strange creature. I had no earthly idea what that meant, but I went to go work for the, at the time, Mississippi Technology Alliance. And if you can imagine the entrepreneurial efforts that may be happening in local areas, well, it was kind of that piece for the state and trying to encourage entrepreneurial activity, venture uh, capital kind of activity. And there had a project for alternative energy and that organization has morphed into what they call Innovate Mississippi now and doing a great job. I went there, did financial analysis and then project management, and then got involved with MEP with helps manufacturers get lean and mean, and then found my way to Hattiesburg after that. But, you know, those lessons of technology, entrepreneurship, financial analysis, those have all stuck with me. And I think I've learned a lot from each role for sure. So did you work for Dr. Aurora? Was he there then? We were colleagues. I'm that old that we were colleagues okay. at that time. Yeah. And well, that's I, interesting. I'm speaking to his class next week, Brittany McCoy, who's joined our team. She's friends with him. And uh, he's got me speaking to his class next week. I'm not smart enough for like tech. I don't know what in the world I'm going to tell him, but it's just I didn't realize y'all worked together at the same well, time. You tell Sumash, you give him a hard time because he deserves it. It's been a long time since I've seen him, but he is a great, great guy. And again, you know, back to those relationships. You know, if I had any questions about biomass or technology, he would be one of the first people I call. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. In June of 2020, Next Move Group launched a new initiative called The Movement, and we already have more than 100 economic developers as part of our movement. The movement was really built to help improve the quality of lives of economic developers. It helps economic developers land more deals, helps them get along better with their board and elected officials, helps them deal with the media, even helps them learn how to build their resume if they want to look for a new job. So thank you to our first 100 members, and if you want to join the movement, go to thenextmovegroup.com backslash movement to learn more when you were 10 or 11 years old running around what do you want to be when you grow up i always like to compare how that is to the skills it ends up taking nobody knows what economic development is then but some skills are similar so i always like to ask people that you know that's a great question i actually thought i was going to do maybe architecture or general contractor Something like that. I've always enjoyed uh, design placemaking, you know, that sort of stuff. And so I think that's kind of flowed over into what I do now, which is ironic because a lot of people, you know, they want to be a race car driver and they end up, you know, in economic development, you know, something completely different. But I think general contractor is kind of what I looked at back then. And, you know, placemaking is still real important for attracting talent to your community. Yeah, and I know you've got an economic development finance professional certification, EDFP. A lot of economic developers ask me what certifications they should pursue, and I have found on the executive search side, the committees are drawn to that finance professional. Gives them comfort knowing somebody knows how to do the deal. 
And so that's one I recommend. I don't have it myself, but what did you learn through that process? You know, that was a great training. I don't have my certified economic development license there, but the EDFP has really integrated itself into just kind of daily business activity. Knowing those financials, knowing how to speak the language, understanding when people are talking about different ratios and profitability and the risk associated with a project that plays into my life on a daily basis now. And, you know, we get approached for investment opportunities all the time, or if we want to divest and take 1031 and put it into another project, how do you evaluate that opportunity? To me, that was really, really valuable. I know there's a number of other people that took it and think the same thing, but it's been good. I'm going to tell you, that's a free tip I've got for economic developers. I've just, if you ever wonder what the search committee says about you, once you finish interviewing and the door shuts, I have found the EDFP for whatever, most economic development boards have a banker on it because typically they're high up in town and they're drawn to that. They say, you know, this person is going to know how to read the financial statements of companies are going to keep us from getting in bad deals. And that certification just seems to stand above some of the, not that the other ones aren't valuable, but some of them are kind of, what's the difference in EDI or CECD or this or that. But I have just telling you, I have seen that one in particular turn on a search committee. Yeah. I think you never want to be on the front page of the paper because you didn't do your due diligence or didn't know how to do your due diligence. And that's a nice step in the right direction. Yeah. Well, Ben, as we wind down, what advice would you give to uh, a young 25-year-old out there that's just starting along their way that might want to be a Ben Teague one day? I would say know what success is, what you really want to do and why you want to do it. And I think that plays into the professional world and what your organization's success is and why is that the success? Everybody's heard of the Simon Senate, why, how, what, you know, everybody knows what you do. Some people know how you do it. Few people know why you do it. I think that's real important to know why you do what you do and what does that success look like. And I would say really understand your community's differentiators. Uh, A lot of people try to compete so much on satisfiers, you know, and I give the example of going to buy a car. This car salesman doesn't focus on the air conditioner because that's a satisfier. Check the box. But the differentiator is all the other elements of it your community having land and this and that is just check the box, but what's the real differentiator that will appeal to your target market? I think so many people need to have an authentic look at themselves and their place and understand that differentiator. I think when you're able to do that, you can move with purpose and not just be caught up and I'm going to have a lot of action because that's what a lot of the politicians want. You know, I want to see stuff, but is that leading towards success? And that's hard, but that's what I would say. Awesome. That's great advice. Well, Ben, is there anything else you'd want to share with our listeners as we conclude? Well, come to Asheville, spend some money. Hey, they'll do that. We don't have to beg them to do that. <laughs> and they're going to think of you when they go to the Biltmore, even though you're come on more farms. They're going to think of you. So. <laughs> come see me. All righty. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Chad.